0: Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. This week, we'll talk about Pope Francis's calls for nations to provide health care and share resources. And we'll look at the task force that he's set up to actualize that vision. I'm Colleen Deli. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New York, Jerry.
1: A good afternoon from a wet Rome, Colleen. Unusual we have rain, sometimes we do.
0: We've got some thunderstorms rolling through today here too.
1: And Rome today is celebrating its 2,773rd birthday.
0: Yes, so happy birthday Rome. Yes. Um. So for our first story... This week, we've been hearing a lot from Pope Francis about the importance of governments sharing resources and prioritizing serving the common good by working together. So um, I want to start first with his homily this Sunday. He spoke about how there's this danger that when the pandemic ends, that the poor and vulnerable will be left behind. And he said in his homily that one way to prevent this would be for societies to share their resources, like in the way that Sunday's gospel described the early church doing, right? It said they compiled their resources and they shared them with each person according to need. And the Pope said, quote, this is not some ideology, this is Christianity. So Jerry, you know, keeping this in mind in the light of this pandemic, I'm wondering what this tells you about Pope Francis's view of what's going on in the world right now.
1: Well, Pope Francis is well briefed on what's going on in the world right now because he gets, first of all, feedback from the nuncios in the different country. That's the Vatican ambassadors in the different countries. He also gets feedback from governments. They send in information, and he gets feedback from the Media and from people he contacts. So he's got a pretty good picture. And his major concern is everybody is keen to get the economy back working, even taking risks with people's lives. Mm. And he's not very happy with this. We've spoken about that before. But what he's more concerned about is because of the lockdown. And because companies and businesses may have found different ways of working, it's quite possible that many more people will be out of work. There have always been a very big number of people in the world who have nothing. And he feels that that number could get expanded. I mean, we've seen in these years, really since the fall of the Berlin Wall, especially, we've seen the middle class, almost being reduced, reduced in country after country, also in the United States. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And the gap between those who have just about everything and those who have very little, increasing. And uh, some people try to deny the facts. But the pandemic has actually removed the veil, pulled back the curtain. And so the, the Pope feels that what's going to happen, there's going to be this surge To get the economy back going, irrespective of who gets discarded, and the number of discarded people will multiply. And he feels if that's the track we're going down, ignoring the poor, the people who haven't got jobs, ignoring the climate uh, crisis, then we're really heading for more disasters.
0: Right. And he he called out in in a particular way on Monday, um, any politicians who kind of prioritize their vested interests, their political parties over the common good. He's very concerned about that, too.
1: Yes, he said two things. He said, first of all, that those who are called who have a vocation to political life to be politicians, it's a very high form of charity. So he has high respect for people who really go into politics but who work for the common good. He has real reservations about those who work for vested interests, not the common good. And he says the political parties, he says, let's pray for them, that they work for the common good, that they work in this pandemic situation, not to gain their own self-interest, the me first category, but that we understand we're one family, human family, and that we need to help each other. Otherwise, we don't get out of this, or we get out and then fall back again into a new uh, pandemic or crisis.
0: Right. This gets back to that central idea that we've talked about before of um, moving towards a global solidarity, which is something that Francis is is very concerned about. Um, He also laid out his vision this week in an article that he wrote for a Spanish religious publication, he called it um, a plan for rising up again. And now you wrote an English report on this for America magazine. I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, but in this piece, we see Francis calling explicitly for an equitable sharing of resources and for care for the environment. And all of this with the goal of building a more just society, which is this conversation you and I have had about, you know, what what world are we going to build that Francis is so concerned about. Um, so, you know, I'm wondering, like when we talk about the folks who will be left behind uh, that Francis is most concerned about, you know, what what are his concerns about what might happen to them and who are we talking about?
1: Look, you, last Saturday, you did this interview with on the water question mm-hmm. with Mo- Molly, right?
0: Yeah, that's Molly Burhans, the uh, founder and executive director of Goodlands, which uses uh, location data to map church properties, and she's also an environmentalist. So we spoke about the new document that she helped the Vatican with on water.
1: Yes, And one of the central questions, it seems very basic. People do not have clean water in many parts of the world. Now, in this crisis, the lack of clean water opens up the floodgates to, excuse the expression, to the pandemic. Because if you can't wash your hands, if you don't have clean water to keep things clean in your house, then your possibility of defending yourself against the pandemic is practically zero. And so the Pope is talking about building a healthier world, and a more just world. A healthier world will be a world where there is a health service in every country that cares for the citizens of the country. And that that is a priority, not one just for those who have money, but for everybody who is a citizen of the country. Secondly, it means that people have to be able to earn their living. So this means the creation of jobs. Now, we've talked in the past in one session I remember, about artificial intelligence, which is going to remove many, many jobs. We talked about truck drivers, for example, in the United States. I don't know, said three million now you have? I can't remember exactly the figure. But the projection was that if they move down the road of artificial intelligence and trucks without drivers, uh, the vast majority of these people won't have a job then what do they do? How do they earn their bread? How do they put food on the table for their families? This is the concern of the Pope.
0: Right. This is something that we've talked in the past about the Vatican having an interest in, and they've been asking these, these ethical questions about AI and how to replace jobs uh, like that for, for years now.
1: Yes. And also, he, he's talked about the question of the protection of the environment. A lot of jobs can be created in protecting the environment, but there are vested interests in coal, in in gas, in in all these fossil fuels that uh, don't want to go down that road Mm. and who pay politicians not to go down that road and who support politicians. And this is happening in various parts of the world. And we've seen now in China, for example, as they come out of the lockdown in Wuhan and other areas. They have put on the side some of the commitments they had made to protecting the climate and to taking action on climate change. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of thing the Pope concerns, that the, the vested interests of a given country or a given political party rides roughshod over the common good of the people in the country and of the inhabitants of the world.
0: Mm-hmm. And he's particularly concerned, you know, not just about regular folks, but but especially people on the margins of society, right, who are the most likely to, to kind of be left behind.
1: Look, Colleen, I, I wrote an article and I spoke about it also, I think, in one of our earlier programs. I took the example of Italy. We discovered there are millions and millions and millions of people on gig jobs. That's jobs without any security for short term. But when a crisis like this hits, they're out of work and they cannot make money. And then there's always a portion of the population who are unemployed. And the Pope is very concerned about these people. He he feels that people who do regular work, who do not have contracts, who just get the money for the work they do on the day, that these people's work should be formally recognized by society, Mm -hmm. that they should have a minimum wage for their work, and that they should have basic health care. The Pope is very strong in the universal health care. I I know it's not popular in some political circles in in, in the States and some other parts of the world too, but he, he is very strong that people have a right to have their health protected. People have a right to have clean water. People have a right to have clean air, to have food, Mm-hmm. And he said it's as basic as that. People write, have a right to have a roof over their head.
0: And it seems that in this plan that he drew up, this plan for rising up again, it's I mean, it's it's more a vision than maybe a step-by-step plan, but it seems that he sees these national kind of healthcare systems or providers really sharing, sharing resources internationally too, which I think was, was interesting.
1: Yes, he, he keeps, I mean, when he went to Abu Dhabi and signed that document with the Sheikh of Al-Azhar, the, one of the spiritual authorities in the Muslim world, in the Sunni Muslim world, which count for 80% of Muslims, the central point there was, we're one human family, we're brothers and sisters, and we keep ignoring this fact, but they want to reaffirm it for Christians and Muslims and other people of other, to reaffirm that we're one human family and that the resources of this world are for all the family, not for a minute percentage at the top who have taken captive the wealth for themselves.
0: Right. We're really seeing Francis kind of going back to the things that he was talking about at the very beginning of his papacy, right? Um, I remember in Evangelii Gaudium, his first document in 2013, he spoke about trickle down economics, saying, you know, this wasn't really the way to go. And also, you know, in this in this article that he wrote for this Spanish publication, you see him talking a lot about how, as we look towards creating a new type of society, we need to be prompted by the Holy Spirit, which was very reminiscent of you know the speech that he gave before the conclave, before he was elected, talking about opening the windows of the church to let let a new breeze in, right?
1: Yes, he sees that the Church, uh, inspired by the Spirit of God, has a contribution to make, and that's to help awaken people's consciousness to the reality of who we are as people. Mm -hmm.
0: If our listeners want to hear more about that idea of uh, international human solidarity, we have an interview coming up on Saturday with Archbishop Vincenzo Paglia of the Pontifical Academy of Life, and he'll be talking about their new document, or the note that they released a few weeks ago now, um, about human fraternity in the time of coronavirus. If our readers want to find more on Pope Francis's comments this week, you can find those at americamagazine.org, and I'll link to them in the show notes. And concretely to do this,
1: the Holy Father has constituted a group called a Vatican Commission for COVID-19.
0: So, Jerry, I want to spend the second half of our show talking about this task force that pope francis has put in place to respond not just to the immediate needs of the crisis but also to start with building that society that that he envisions that that um the church wants to see actualized in the world uh so he set up this this coronavirus task force and he appointed an argentinian priest to the steering committee whose name is father augusto zampini you interviewed him. I, I was wondering if you can tell me about who he is and, and what his connection is with the Pope.
1: Well, Father Augusto was a young Argentinian priest who, who really was a, a, what we, what people refer to as a late vocation. He he was born in Buenos Aires. He went to university there, studied law. Uh, practiced law in the Central Bank of Argentina for one year and then went and worked with one of these big financial companies mm. for three and uh, Baker and McKenzie's. And then he he went on a trip with young people, uh, kind of a mission trip. And there he felt the call to, to God. And so, so he, he he came back and went into the
0: seminary. And he was like 27 at that point or something.
1: He was 27 years old, yes. And then he went and he started he started working in parishes. And he worked in four pretty poor parishes in Argentina. He used to work with young people, poor young people. And they had a motorboat because it's an area where there was kind of islands and this kind of thing. And uh, the, the motor broke, broke down and so all these young people, they had nothing. and Father Archbishop Bergoglio, he was then, I think he was then cardinal. In fact, he he was in the neighboring diocese of Buenos Aires. He had heard about the work Zampini was doing. And so he came and he talked to them. And then he discovered that they had a problem with their motorboat. So he, he somehow got their motorboat going again. And that was their first real contact. But Zampini went to England, studied in England. He went to Bath University, studied Development and Economics, then he went on to Roehampton, got a, a master, uh, doctoral thesis in development and economics, working with the famous Indian Amartya Sen, who won a Nobel for Economics. And at the same time he joined, he, he was asked to be spiritual uh, advisor to CAFOD, which is like the equivalent of Catholic release services in England. And with this cafod, he went to Sierra Leone at the end of the Ebola crisis. So he's had experience already of an epidemic. And then he went to uh, Kenya, he went to uh, Sri Lanka, he went to Colombia, he he, he got really your hands on experience on some of these problems. And he became an expert on the whole environmental question, even before Francis had published his encyclical Laudato Si. After the publication, he was present at many conferences as speaker, and there he met Cardinal Peter Turkson, who's the head of the Vatican Dicastery and who's the head of this task force that the Pope has set up.
0: Right. Cardinal Turkson's is the voice that our listeners heard in the introduction to this story.
1: And so Cardinal Turkson asked Zampini to work with him two or three years ago on the area of faith and development. So he was part of this team, but at quite a lower level. And then the Pope put him into the joint number two position with a French monsignor. So he's now one of the three-member steering committee of the task force.
0: Got it. So it's easy to see in his experience, you know, that he's overlapping with a lot of these areas that Francis wants, wants this task force to touch on, right? You mentioned the environment. You mentioned, obviously, like epidemiology, but then also, you know, these these economic concerns, which he has a lot of experience in. I'm wondering, uh, what's what's his role going to be on this steering committee? You mentioned he's on there with two other people. Is this, is this like a decision-making position?
1: Yes. But remember the committee, the task force responds directly to the Pope. And he he, he is particularly the Pope's choice in there uh, to speed up the decision making to make sure. And he he explained to me in the interview, which uh, I, I wrote up, that the whole idea is for the Vatican to be able to influence the decisions that governments and Uh, institutions, financial institutions, and such like, are making today. Because he he was very clear, he said, the decisions that are being taken now by governments, by the financial institutions, by the uh, big businesses, in the midst of the pandemic crisis, are the decisions that will effectively shape the new world that will follow the crisis. And so the Pope's intention and the task force's task is to be able to feed in and influence the decisions made by these decision makers, which will determine the future of humanity in the next years.
0: Right. And I think, you know, we should say it's, it's important to Francis, as, as we've said in the beginning of the show, to put in place some kind of system to push this forward, because his biggest concern is really that we'll just go back to being the same after this. Um, So I want to go through the five specific areas that that this uh, task force is going to focus on. So first we have uh, the immediate humanitarian response, right? Especially happening through church organizations, um, which we talked a while ago on the show about the Vatican putting aside money to help fund those organizations. Next, there's going to be a commission focusing on the ecological aspects of the crisis and the prevention of future crises from this ecological standpoint. There's also a group focused on communication and then one focused on the diplomatic relations with states, which is what you were just saying is, is you know, the Vatican is trying to advance this vision uh, by fostering international cooperation. And so they'll need to be able to work with different nations in those relationships to do that. Um, and the fifth point is interesting to me. I'm hoping we can talk more about this. this. There's a commission focused on fundraising to finance not just this work, but um, I think that there's like a broader concern there too about finances. So what's what's going on in Vatican finance right now? I know they just confirmed their ninth case of COVID and they're operating with a skeleton staff. What's what's happening on that front? Look,
1: the Vatican is a small state. You've got about 3,000 people working in it. Mm-hmm. Where does it get its money? It, it doesn't have a, a tax system. It has money from four major sources. First of all, from Peter Spence. Mm-hmm. That's, in other words, the monies that comes once a year around the 29th of June, the Feast of St. Peter and Paul, from the different churches around the world. That's to help with the running of the apostolic See, but especially with humanitarian uh, charitable works around the world. The second source of income is uh, something that's envisaged in canon law. In Canon One Two Seven One, there's a a short two three sentence statements which says that every bishop, every diocese, should contribute to helping the central office of the Church, the Holy See, the Vatican, according to their means and possibilities at the given time. So in this present climate, there will be little coming from that, Mm -hmm. and from the Peter's Pence, it's in pretty free fall already because of the abuse crisis, etc. And so they the the funds had been going down. Mm-hmm. The third one is from the museums, the Vatican museums, which brings in a lot of money because you've got all these tourists and pilgrims visiting. And then the fourth area is what they called the, the properties and investments that the Vatican has. Because as a result of the 1929 agreement between Mussolini and the and then and the church at the time, the the, the Vatican when the Italian state took over the papal properties. They were given some properties, so some of the properties in Rome, but not only in Rome. Now the Vatican rents out to people, and so they make money. them. And the Vatican also invests some of the money that it gets from the various sources and tries. But as we know, today, uh, the Vatican said recently that it will try to uh, reduce the rents to enable people living in the apartments to pay,
0: mm-hmm.
1: because many people uh, won't won't have jobs or income.
0: And presumably, as the economy is struggling, you know their their investments are probably also losing value. So uh,
1: I think any family will understand this. You you have a certain amount of income, and if those sources dry up, uh, mm-hmm. how, how do you work? And so the Vatican understands this, and so it is now made clear to all the departments, we don't have money. You've got to maximize savings, cut travel. The money that uh, the fundraising committee is to try and put together has two purposes. first small purpose is to fund the committee. Uh, there won't be much money being used up by the committee because there's not going to be much traveling involved, if, if any. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it will be going to the projects that will be from the first part, the first commission, the humanitarian side. And a lot of that money will be going, I I would suspect, principally to Africa, places like the Sudan, places like Mali, which don't have ventilators or anything like this. Mm -hmm. And it will be sent to the church, as we said in an earlier program, has many uh, medical centers the surgeries, uh, maybe some hospitals in these countries.
0: And these are often the only providers of those kinds of services in those areas. So it sounds like, you know, as we look at all this, that that just like the rest of the world, the Vatican is in a bit of a financial crisis right now. And they're they're having to examine how to respond creatively, how to try to do as much good as possible, but on a shoestring budget and changing, looking creatively at how they're going to gather and use their resources.
1: Absolutely. And like any family, you know, you, people in the past would maybe project to travel, I don't know, from United States to Italy for a holiday. Maybe people will think twice now and say, well, apart from the travel restrictions, but even when it gets a little better, you know, maybe we don't have the money.
0: Right. So the Vatican has actually started cancelling some travel and some events. Um, for example, this week they postponed the World Meeting of Families to June 2022 and the World Meeting of Young People to August 2023. Um, what other cancellations are you hearing about?
1: Well, I, I, I'm told that the departments have been given instructions to not hold conferences. We've reported on quite a number of them. They would bring together conferences to discuss. They had, for example, one on artificial intelligence. They were going to have one on the big educational gathering in May.
0: Right. There are always these these happening. Yeah, but you
1: see, also the meeting of families, it, it requires money. Mm-hmm. And the maybe if the local church can't do it and the local government can't come up with it, well, they, then they, the Holy See, the Vatican has to try and help. And so now they are really examining very carefully. Have we the money for it? And secondly, is that the best use we can make of that money in this time of crisis? And I suspect we'll see many more cancellations.
0: A lot of the bishops who come for their ad limina visits, like we just talked about the US bishops doing, um, are also not planning to come anymore, right?
1: They've been told that this year there are no more ad limina visits. And the Pope isn't traveling this year. Uh, Maybe he'd do a day trip at the end of the year, but most people think that he won't travel at all this year. Remember, he had planned to go to Malta. Then he had planned to go to Asia and and go to Papua New Guinea and to Indonesia and uh, Timor-Leste and uh, Singapore in uh, September. That's been canceled also at the request of the local governments.
0: Right. That makes sense. I mean, that would be a big, big gathering of people.
1: But, you know, for 50 years, the Pope has traveled.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This year, I don't think we'll we'll see him moving anymore.
0: Wow. All right, Jerry, um, we will keep our listeners up to date on what's happening with the Vatican's response to coronavirus, including these cancellations, but also, you know, how the work of this commission is going forward. Uh, they can also find your print reporting at americamagazine.org. I think that about does it for this week. Uh, Thanks for taking the time to talk with me through all these stories. Appreciate it. Thank you. Before we go, I got a listener question this week asking whether we take listener questions. So I just wanted to let all of you know that if you have a question for me or for Jerry about the Vatican, uh, you can email us those questions at at insidethevaticanatamericamedia.org. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This week's episode was produced by Sebastian Gomes. Inside the Vatican is mixed by Noah Levinson. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org or follow us on Twitter at I-N-S-D-E Vatican Pod. That's inside without the second I. For America Media, with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Deli. We'll see you next time.